You are now listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast with L.E. And Eric. And you are going to love it. Stay tuned. Washington football team declassified is presented by Grafted App, a soon to launch app connecting consumers to Christian owned businesses. You can visit them at graftedapp.com for more information or to apply for your listing. With the 74th pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Washington football club selects Benjamin St. Juice, defensive back, Minnesota. Welcome back to the Washington football team declassified podcast. Eric, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. Feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm doing terrific. We got a great episode. We're going to talk about Benjamin St. Juice, the third round pick for the Washington football team. A little housekeeping first. Of course, if you're not already subscribed, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, subscribe to the podcast. Like and leave us a review, comments, everything. We like that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can hit us up at wftdeclassified at gmail.com. Leave us any messages, anything like that, and uh, we'll get to them. We actually have some we're going to get on air today, if I can remember. And then, of course, let's shout out to all the various countries that listen to this podcast. Of course, United States, our home base. Shout out to everybody there. Shout out to our listeners in Portugal. We're happy to have you tell your friends, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend, everybody in Turkey, Spain, the United Kingdom and Australia. Glad you guys are listening. Continue to check us out and spread the word. All right. Third round pick, Benjamin St. Juiced. Eric, give me your initial reaction when the draft pick occurred. Who is this guy? I'd never heard of him. So in full honesty, uh, I'm not a draft Nick. So it was a little surprising because I didn't know anything about him. Um, looking at it, uh, from a slightly, you know, from in hindsight now, and, and with a little more clarity as to who he is and what he does, I think this is a, uh, it's a Jack Del Rio pick. And I think it's showing, uh, there's going to be a change in philosophy on defense this year. Um, I guess we'll get into it in a little bit, but like, uh, bringing in William Jackson and now St. Juice, you've got two big, long press type corners and looking back at what Del Rio's done in his previous stops as a defensive coordinator, um, you know, Denver, he had uh, what Chris Harris and uh, Akib Talib um, going back to like Jacksonville. He had like Rashawn Evans, big, long cornered, love press coverage. David Amerson with Oakland, same thing. Emerson was trash here because we played a bunch of zone. He got out there. He actually wasn't terrible because they, they put him in press. So uh, that's the type of corner that uh, Del Rio likes in his defenses. And I think that that, you know, that this draft pick along with the signing of Jackson actually shows that we're, we're going to kind of switch switch from that cover three thing that Rivera likes to do. Um, and we're, we're going to more of a, a press cor- press guys on the corner. So it's interesting what what that means for Kendall Fuller. But we can talk about that, I'm sure, uh, if we got time here as well. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that about this is a Del Rio pick because my mind instantly went to this is a Rivera pick because. St. Juice reminds me a lot of Josh Norman in that he's not the most athletically gifted corner in the world, but he makes plays. Now, Josh Norman was incredibly cerebral. I don't know if St. Juice is that just because I'm not that familiar, or at least I wasn't coming into the draft with this kid, but I felt like this was a Ron Rivera, um, Josh Norman, you know, type pick. So 
I guess we'll see. Um, why don't you start us out by telling us a little bit about the kid? So Benjamin St. Just, he is uh, from Montreal originally, um, came to the United States to play some of the foosballs, um, started out at the University of Michigan, uh, had some injury issues there, and there was a, an issue where they wanted him to do a medical retirement so that uh, U of Michigan and uh, Mr. Harbaugh could get their money back uh, for the scholarship. He said no, uh, entered the transfer uh, transfer portal and ended up out in uh, the University of Minnesota, a golden gopher. So um, from there, he had, I don't know that he was great in college, but he was good enough to catch some eyes uh, and get himself uh, into the third round of the draft. The end. Well, and I, I was listening to him getting drafted. I heard Mel Kuyper say he thought he might be a second round pick, which is really shocking because generally when cornerbacks are, are going to be high draft picks, they're usually on the radar somewhat. And this kid was just not on the radar at all. Right. You know, there were so many corners that were being talked about and his name just never came up. Uh, when I look at this guy on the various highlight packages or, you know, breakdown from various people that do them on the internet, it's hard to come away impressed watching that. Now, I am certainly a fair person. And I don't think that I'm going to get the full scope of what he can do by watching a few minutes of somebody on YouTube or wherever else breaking down kind of his game or some games that he played in. But generally you want to kind of walk away and be like, wow, I see something here. I didn't see that. And that's why this is one of those picks that was just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, it, is he a special teams guy off the bat? I think that's probably where he starts just based on what we know so far, but I'm, I'm willing to give him a chance. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. He's a, he's a, he's a third round pick. He's a, he's a guy that has a lot of short area. I think I heard you say this too, before in the previous podcast, a lot of short areas, quickness based on his three cone drills, his 40 time was, was good ish. Um, not great. And he's, he's tall and a long strider and that can get you in trouble in the NFL. Yeah, so his his metrics kind of lend to my opinion that he's going to be like a press man covered corner because he's, like you said, not super fast, but he is very, uh, very twitchy as far as like reactionary. He can change direction. He can flip his hips. He can do all the things that somebody in press coverage can do. Uh, and looking at some of the some of the highlights and lowlights, uh, basically uh, the film study I've seen of him is he is in his element when he's right up on the line of scrimmage he does a really good job even he can play press man out of like stack sets where, where he's covering the guy in the back he's he's able to get his hands on you and kind of ride you down the field and disrupt your route that's really what he does but what he where he really struggles is is in the zone in, in any kind of a zone coverage where he has to read multiple uh, route combinations like coming into his zone he has a really hard time and a lot of things that i saw from him is him basically not being able to figure out which receiver to cover. So he ends up not covering any of them. He stands flat footed in zone coverage quite a bit. He gets caught uh, looking quite a bit. Um, so that's really something to watch, which is kind of why I, I really feel like we're going to see more of a Del Rio press man type of thing uh, coming up this year, because he really, really excelled at that. Like he looked really good. He, it's almost like he's two different players, but uh, based on what type of defense he's playing now, maybe Rivera and, and he has the, the ability and trust his defensive backs coaches to get, you know, get him trained up and so where he can, you know, sit back in the zone and watch things unfold in front of him at a cover three. He just has shown no ability to do that to this point based on what I've seen from him. 
So I think uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't know that he's a day one starter because, you know, if he is, he's going to get a, he's going to get a lot of penalties because he's very, very, very physical. Um, and, you know, he has to keep that within five yards here in the league. So we'll have to see how that works out for him. But I just don't see him. I, I just don't see this team doing a lot of cover three stuff with him. And it kind of makes me wonder whether, you know, the search for the free safety results in like Kendall Fuller getting some time back there. Um, Cause I just, I don't see Fuller. It's it, Fuller's like the polar opposite of the, of, of William Jackson and, and St. Juiced. He's, you know, he's, he's more of a Josh Norman, but a, a more athletic version of Josh Norman where he's very smart. He has a really good understanding of what he sees and he has great eyes and great reaction skills where he can jump. If he keeps everything in front of him, that's more his skill set. It's just not what I see these guys doing if St. Juiced works out. So it'll be interesting to see because I know, you know, we we know what William Jackson is. We know he, you know, he can get right up in your face and and be a really good press cover corner. Um, and he's shown the ability to to actually play some zone as well. Obviously, he's got some experience and has, you know, he's seen a lot more than St. Juiced has at this point. So, you know, they may still be that soft zone team and and may want to sit up or not soft zone, but cover three team and, and sit you know, sit back and, and let St. Juice develop into one of those type of corners if I think he can do that. But I really think we're going to see a change in philosophy on defense this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, the, the St. Juice scares me a lot in that type of zone defense because the most common issue you hear about him is him transitioning, right? When that wide receiver is caught up to him in his backpedal and he's transitioning to run with him, on the end of the routes, he gets lost. He's a face guarder penalty in the NFL, right? Um, he, he, like you said, he's handsy. It's just, just so many things for him to work on and to work out where he's not going to hurt the defense by being on the field. I don't think he can be a day one starter. Now, you and I are both hoping that we're going to be pleasantly surprised. So anybody listening to this, we're not down on the kid. It's just there's things that he has to improve on before we think he could be effective without accumulating penalties, without getting beat based on crafty wide receivers. The thing that people don't take into account in the NFL is beyond speed, these receivers are incredible at route running to where everything looks the same when they start out and then they hit their break and then they're wide open because you know, you're know you thinking they're gonna run an out route and they, they hit an in-breaking route on you out of nowhere. And, and guys like this have to be able to quickly flip their hips and run with the wide receiver or you're going to be toast. And it's just yeah. that simple. And that's um, one of the things we saw from St. Juice in his film was that he, uh, especially when he's playing off the ball, is the receivers get on him quickly and make him commit and then just go the other way. Was, I saw that yeah. 20 times watching him. Um, and a lot of times he can flip and recover. He can do the, he's, you know, he's got an efficient speed turn. Um, and he does have reasonable makeup speed, but you know, in, against NFL route runners, he's going to be in a lot of trouble if that if that's the type of defense they expect him to play, and he has to play early. Yeah, and and look at this, man. We play LA, the the Chargers in LA. Excuse me, week one. Think of a guy like Keenan Allen. I mean, holy smokes, <laughs> yeah, Keenan uh, Allen is like Terry McLaurin prototype. Yeah, just just running those routes on St. Juice would be a little bit nerve wracking. You wouldn't want that. Right. Um, an offense like the Patriots, I think would give him a lot of problems because they do so much mixing with the receiver routes, the rub routes, things like that. A kid like this is gonna get lost in space. My idea, what, let me tell you what I do like about him though, just because I know we kind of went through some of the negatives. This guy only missed two tackles, mm -hmm. two tackles. I believe for his time at Minnesota, 
uh, two tackles the whole time, two. That's incredible. And you and I touched on it last week where we saw a lot of him, I mean, a couple weeks ago, whatever, a lot of him trailing, but always bringing the guy down when he got there, right? And that shows up on tape. He's a sure tackler. That's awesome. Now, are you tackling the guy five yards down the field or two yards down the field? That's a huge difference, right? Um, so keeping things in front of him will be critical, but not being so overly aggressive that, you know, he gets beat deep because he's trying to guess the play short. and It's actually a deep play. Um, what do you like about him, Eric? Um, I like his, I like his man coverage ability. Um, what I saw him do uh, at the college level against things like picks and rubs and option routes and things like that. He played those really well when he was in press man coverage. Um, he just, he's, he's got a knack for just sticking with his guy. He's really good at it. He played and he would be Jay Gruden's nightmare because he defends a fade route. Like you wouldn't believe. So those big, tall guys, like uh, what's his name? Mike Williams, you know, in week one, uh, if he's still with San Diego or LA, I don't even know if he is, but uh, that type of, that type of jump ball, he can play that really well. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm just really nervous about him in space, any kind of zone or any kind of off ball coverage. He really needs a lot of work at, but um, if we can get him in on the line of scrimmage, right up in guy's face, he's, you know, he can make an impact and he's really good at that. Um, you know, the interception numbers, you know, he made a few, but they're not, you know, staggering. I don't know that his hands are the, that he's, I mean, he's a defensive back, so he's probably not known for his hands. Um, but I think that he will put himself in a position uh, in a man to man coverage game where he can make a lot of plays because he's just that good. And he really, he's like, a, he's like, you know, given the op opportunity to cover somebody in man-to-man, -man, even though he is a little handsy, he is very, very persistent. And he's like glue on those guys. Uh, he takes, he's very good at taking away the short stuff. Um, again, we'll see how that translates to the NFL, but that's, you know, I'm excited to see that from him. He has a lot of potential. I'm excited too. I think if nothing else, he's going to be a heck of a special teams player. Now, should you be drafting special teams players in the third round? Uh, probably not, you know, but it's, it's something that gives him some footing and have him not worry about making the team while he learns the NFL game, because I do think it's going to be a relatively lengthy adjustment period for him. But the good news is we have other corners here that can allow him to learn while they start. I mean, you, you wouldn't think that William Jackson's going anywhere. We just got him, right? To, um, Kendall Fuller, we just got him the year before. Uh, where, you know, from everything I read, he's an outside corner though, right? Would you agree with that? That this guy's not somebody you stick in the slot? Same, just most likely not a slot. And you know, he can do it like in, you know, in goal line packages and that sort of thing. He can come in and cover, um, but he's definitely seems like more of an outside guy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that. it's, you know. But, but Fuller can play the slot. Fuller probably, probably can play the slot as well as he can play outside. Well, I mean, and I don't, I don't think it's going to come to that this year. I really don't because I don't think you like, where, let me ask you this. And I, I can pull up the depth chart, depth chart, but where would you put St. Juice day one on the cornerback depth chart? Um, I mean, he's going to be below who's even left. So you've got Jackson, you've got Fuller, you've got uh, Jimmy Moreland. Uh, Moreland. Um, so I, I assume he's going to start out at least below those three. Fabian Moreau's gone, right? Uh, I believe so, but I, I think he's checking gone. right now. Yeah, I don't remember if he's still there. Um, so those guys, obviously, anybody with any kind of NFL experience is probably going to start out over him. He would be above any anybody they brought in. 
See, I, I think a guy like Danny Johnson or Danny Johnson's another. Danny Johnson has that has that special teams thing down too. So he, that's another thing that he would have to beat out, and he's definitely going to be above him on a on special teams depth chart for sure, for sure. And right now, Danny Johnson's our kick returner too, which is wow. Didn't they sign a kick returner? I could have sworn they got some like little wide receiver guy, that, but it was like I, a little like yeah. blurb that I barely saw. So, but he, he's apparently like specifically supposed to be a kick returner I or maybe so. punt returner. I don't know. As long as Steven Sims isn't back there, I don't care. <laughs> it was a guy out of Houston. I think it was that we yeah. signed, but um, all right, let's do our projection. Give me your, you know, three years from now, St. Juiced is what? St. Juiced is the second coming of Akib Talib. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he really boy. finds his footing with the, with the, with the coaching, you know, if they use him as like the way I think they're going to use him, uh, he can be, he can be a pretty good player. I don't know if, I don't know that he's act cause I don't know enough about him. I'm not going to say, you know, that was kind of tongue in cheek, the, the, uh, Akib Talib thing. I don't know that he's ever going to be that good, but I think he can be, uh, he can be a reasonable NFL starter, uh, in three years as an outside, you know, corner in a press man scheme. I think in three years, he's probably the third or the fourth corner on the team um, who's a special teams demon, earning his paycheck every single week, just not a starter. I think there's just too many flaws in his game that are going to take a while to translate in the NFL um, for him to be successful anytime soon, extremely successful anytime soon. Let me say that. I think he can come in and play in some sub packages or just spell guys in general and play well in short spurts. But I think if he's out there a lot, he's going to get exposed for the things that he needs to work on. And when you've been doing those things your whole life, it takes a few years to reverse those habits. Um, you remember when Seattle had the Legion of Boom and they had Richard Sherman and mm -hmm. who was the other corner that was there? Do you remember? Uh, Born something. Uh, Brandon Browner. There we go. Brandon Browner. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's who I think this guy's clone is. And yeah, that's a good comp. Brandon Browner was very good in the system he played in, in Seattle, right? And he was effective because of everything else around him. Cam Chancellor helped, right? The linebackers were outrageous. The defensive line was getting pressure. Oh, and by the way, you had Richard Sherman on the other side of the field. So you were really yeah. only defending half a field with the rest of the defense, right? No, honestly, my comp for St. Just, honestly, is, and this may fall on bad ears, but it's almost going to be like a David Amerson that he needs to be, he needs to be in the right system to, to be able to play. Like, I, I think he's got some talent, but he needs to be maximized and he needs his deficiencies hidden, um, which Del Rio was able to do with Amberson in Oakland. So I think that, you know, that, that might be a fair comp. I think, you know, St. Juice is a little bigger than, than what Amberson was. I think Amberson was only about six one, but he's still very long. Um, and again, a, a kind of a press player. So that's more of a comp than, than, than a Browner because he seemed to be more of a zone guy because they were there. They had that big uh, three deep thing that they ran. Yeah. So well, 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 that's what the skins or the football team did last year though. That's what they did last year. I just, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're moving on from that. We'll see how so. it works, but I, I really do. I think they're changing the way that they play on the outside. You I think Del Rio's be. taken over and he's going to do it his way. In order to do that, you'd have to have better safeties. I like Cam Curl in the box, but who's playing free safety to, to see that's where that's what I'm thinking. Um, uh, Kyle, uh, uh, Kendall Fuller. I, I would not be surprised to see Kendall Fuller back there playing free safety this year. Cause he, he did it a little bit, you know, his first go around here, he played a little free safety and slot corner. So I, I, that's kind of what I'm thinking because I just, 
with the pass rush that 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 the team has right now you know provided everybody's healthy i think that the best i think press man can really really work with the pass rush and it can really help the pass rush more so than what the zone can mm-hmm. so, I, I mean i really think that, that that that's the way the team is going to be going we'll see how it goes but that's just my kind of take on you know with the more so the, with the william jackson and this just kind of cements it because you brought basically a guy who's similar to William Jackson into, uh, you know, when you into a draft and, you know, Fuller has the experience and I think he could do like a reasonable job as a free safety. So he could be that uh, he could be the Earl Thomas back there. I don't see it happening. And, <laughs> and it's not that I disagree with you, but we kind of went through this with Landon Collins already. And I, I just, I feel like they're not keen on their players going to other positions. Now Fuller's done it before. That's the one thing that might allow that to happen. But Fuller wanted to play cornerback from what I understand, right? When we signed him, that was one of the things that he signed here for was because he wanted to play quarterback. And he got Uh, to play cornerback. Now he gets to play safety. (laughs) He got to, you got a year at corner. Congratulations. You didn't say what you wanted to do next year. You've signed already. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, I just feel like, uh, it's it's just not something that is a high degree of likelihood. Now, we're going to put that in our little lockbox here, and we're going to revisit this week three or four where your prediction that Fuller goes to free safety because I'm not on that one. I'm not 100% predicting that he goes to free safety, but I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back there. I just think he's a weird fit if they go to that, if they go to a press coverage scheme. I don't know that he's the best fit for that. Yeah. And that's free safety could be, the, could be the spot for him because he does have decent – he does have the ability to play back there. We'll see, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what that kind of, he's kind of the odd man out there. And I think that's a weird, cause he was pretty good last year. It's not like he was disappointing. He, you know, he wasn't all pro or anything, but he wasn't, you know, he was pretty much as advertised. He was a good solid corner. He had a nice little run where he had interception, like four games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think he's a solid player. I just don't know that he's, he's that kind of player. And I just don't see them bringing in two guys with the same skill set that does not match up with zone that they would continue to do it. So we'll just have to see. I just, I'm, I'm curious of what they're going to do with Kendall Fuller. And I would not be surprised if he's at free safety. Now, of course, Eric, in order for that to happen, St. Juiced has to be good. <laughs> yeah. He's got to be good. So you're banking on a lot there. That'll work itself out. <laughs> uh, that that's man. You're asking for a lot, especially his rookie year to come to fruition. I think what Fuller's only on a three-year deal, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's short. Yeah. So that's, again, another reason I don't see that because I think by the time St. Juice is ready, Fuller's deal is going to be up. And he's 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 going to be a little bit on the older side too when that next deal is up. So I think, I think St. Juice is just being groomed to replace Fuller once Fuller's deal is up. That's how I see it. Yeah. Fuller, if he's got a three-year deal, I'd almost guarantee you that he's going to have an out after this year. No, he signed a four-year deal. Just looked it up. He's got a four-year $40 million uh, deal. I don't know, but there's going to be an out at some point, so he probably won't see the whole contract. Yeah, and I, you, know, you know how it goes, man. The guaranteed money's probably already been paid after this year. So um, now he's a caliber of corner where I can't see them just cutting him to save ca- salary cap, you know, space. Um, but I don't know. Like, yeah. He's so a, he's a, a six million dead cap hit next year, six point two million dollar dead cap hit in twenty twenty two, and a three point one two five million dollar dead cap hit in twenty twenty three. So he'll probably play, be here 
he'll definitely be here this year at 19 million dead cap, but um, the guaranteed money drops off quite a bit after this year. So uh, there's a little bit of an out there if they're, if he really drops off and they really want to move elsewhere, they can, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I, he's, he's a good soldier and he wanted to be here. He came back. He's a Virginia tech guy. He's local. So, you know, I don't, I don't see him going anywhere at least next year, but um, I just, I'm curious. I just, I, I just don't understand like, why they would bring in two guys that have a completely different skill set at corner if they're going to continue to do the same thing they were doing last year. Um, maybe question. they'll do some kind of a hybrid too. Who knows? It's, yep, it's a fair question. I want to get to something else real quick, but any final thoughts on St. Juice? He is uh, the next All-Pro greatest of all time, Chan Bailey. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll see. Uh, to be continued. I just don't know enough about it. Um. Let me ask you this since we're talking about DBs. Where are you at with Jimmy Moreland? He's fine. I think he's a guy that you could upgrade, but he's played well enough to earn a chance to continue to come in and see if he can improve. But I wouldn't be upset if he, you know, didn't get, didn't make the team. It's not, he's not somebody, he's not like a blue chip player. Um, I don't hate him. He just, you know, he's been, you know, he's a uh, FBS kid coming into the pros. He's definitely been overmatched at times, but he has made a few plays. Um, so, you know, I think he's he's lived up to his uh, seventh round or sixth round, whatever pick it was, uh, billing. You know, he's lasted this long in the league. So I think he's got he's still got potential and I think he can still improve. But if he gets beaten out, it's no big deal. Yeah. And I, I think he's one of those guys whose story is bigger than his play. And I think people confuse the two sometimes, you know, because he's such a great story. Like you said, FBS, late round draft pick, immediately made an impact in the preseason. And and you tend to, for guys like that, you tend to want to sweep away or sweep under the rug the plays that they don't make, you know? Right. And that, that tends to elevate your perception of what he is. I like him as a story. I like him as a a person based on what we perceive. And I think he's a he's a he's a fine cornerback in the league I don't think he's a starter I think he makes plays and spots and I think they're really exciting when they happen but there's a lot on the field that he doesn't get to plays he doesn't make you know things he doesn't do he seems to have a knack for the big moment though a little bit I will say that and I wish he was more of a punt returner and kick returner too because I think that would extend his longevity but I think you're getting out of Jimmy Moreland what you're going to get out of Jimmy Moreland and some team's going to be okay with that. I just don't know how long Jack Del Rio and this defense are going to have a space for him here. Yeah, I, it's one of those things. He He's a scheme guy. Probably he would do well in certain schemes and not. I think he found a little niche. It was like a fourth corner. Yeah. Um, so like full-time slot looked like it was a little too much for him. But um, I think between him and Fabian Moreau, you had a pretty decent, you know, fourth corner last year. So, uh, you know, like I said, he can get, he's not, he's definitely not, uh, uh, he's replaceable. I guess you could, you could put it. He's fine, but he's replaceable. If somebody's better than him, it's somebody's better than him. It's not going to surprise me, but you know, I like the story. I like, you know, I like the, the ability, the the few plays that he's made, like you said, he does have a knack for the big moment. So, you know, he's definitely fun to watch, um, but he is a little frustrating at times and he is going to probably give up a few plays that somebody of a better stature might not because he's a little guy so um yeah i root for him but you know if he's gone he's gone all right so we had twitter ablaze this week with two particular topics the first of which was a question somebody posed to us 
and I just reposted it. Now let's 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 do all three of them. Number one was the greatest athlete ever to play for the Washington football team. The choices were the only ones that mattered were Daryl Green and Sean Taylor. A lot of folks said Sammy Ball as a right in. I didn't have it on there because I never saw him play, and that was my mistake. Eric, where did you land on on between um, Green and Sean Taylor? So between Green and Sean Taylor, I would pick Daryl Green because Daryl Green is the only one who demonstrated the ability to convert track speed to football speed. We never really saw Sean Taylor run the 100-meter dash. We saw Daryl Green run against the best in the country, and he ran a 10.02 or whatever. So he was a legit world-class sprinter at the time. And unlike a lot of those guys that are world-class sprinters that turn into NFL players like Ron Brown or Willie Galt or whatever, he can also – you know, he has football speed. He can, he can change direction. He can stop and start. He can do all those things. Um, and I'm not saying Sean Taylor couldn't do that, but we know that Daryl Green did do that. And that's the big difference. Um, Sean Taylor made some unbelievable plays as a, the one that stands out to me, my favorite play, it doesn't get a lot of love because you know, the, the punter hit always gets, the, you know, hogs the highlight, but he made this, he made this pass breakup on Randy Moss one time. And it was the most unbelievable thing I see. Cause he, first of all, he jumped with Moss and was right up with Moss to knock the ball away, but he didn't fully knock it away. And it looked like Moss was going to cradle it. And then Sean Taylor, as he's falling backwards away from Moss, reaches out and knocks it away again so that he can't get the. And if you can find that highlight, go watch it. Cause it's just a legit, like there's maybe three guys in the world probably could have made that play. And, and Sean was one of them. So it's not a slight against Sean Taylor to say that Daryl Green might've been a better athlete than him. But um, to hear Joe Gibbs talk, I was trying to find this interview. I couldn't, I couldn't find it, but Joe Gibbs was, was all about Charles Mann. And what, and if you, I don't know if you're old enough to, you're going to old enough to remember like Charles Mann in his prime, but Charles Mann was like the OG Montez sweat. He was that, he was that type of athlete where he was just like crazy fast. And, and I think Gibbs described it at some point of having, he was like six, you know, six, five, 275 pounds. He had like a 28 inch waist. You know, he could stand up straight and scratch his knees. He had these crazy long arms. He was, he was <laughs> fast. And there was this highlight and I, I'm really upset because I, I can't find like a decent Charles Mann highlight, but there was this one run and like a legit NFL running back. I thought it was Bo Jackson, but I, I couldn't find the run, but Bo Jackson's or whoever the running back was, was tearing down the sideline and it was their highlight. But what you see is like Charles Mann is basically like a half step behind this dude the whole time. It was crazy. So I'm going to try to find that and put, if I can find it, I'll post it. Cause it was a really neat highlight. I just, you know, have a job and wasn't able to spend my week on YouTube <laughs> searching highlights of Charles Mann. Um, so yeah, but um, of those two, I'm going to go with Daryl green. I'm going to go with green too. The second one was, and this is the one that was posed by somebody in the comment section um, at declassified WFT on Twitter, by the way, to get in on the action. And you can follow Eric on Twitter at, tell him where's that? E-T-R-O-D-4-2. And by the way, since he started uh, doing this podcast full time, he has quadrupled his followers. No, even more than that. Like, <laughs> he's six times more followers yeah. than he had before. So things are going great for Eric. We won't uh, say what those actual <laughs> numbers are. But yeah, my following is multiplied. Yeah. Blow it up. Exponentially. Media superstar. All right. Yeah. Um, the second question was, and, and there's a lot of podcasts I asked to um, take this on this week, but is was Sean Taylor overrated by Washington football team fans? And what do you say to that? No. The thing about Sean Taylor, Sean, I compare him to like Bo Jackson because he at this point is like a folk hero. He's like a uh, he's like Paul Bunyan, where there's just like these 
tales of these incredible feats that he did that almost sound fake. Um, and, and the reason behind that is just like Bo Jackson is you just didn't get to see enough. You saw this glimpse of what an amazing athlete and player he was, but it was such a small like sample size that we tend to, uh, as fans, and this is where maybe the overrated thing comes out is that we tend to extrapolate, you know, what we saw. And especially that last season before, um, before the accident where he, or the shooting, he, he was on his way to defensive player of the year. And he was unbelievable that season. Um, but we kind of extrapolate that out and say, well, he would have played 15 years and done this every year and been a hall of fame type player. When in reality, based on what we know about the team at that time, the front office would have screwed up his contract and he would have been out like a year after that happened. Uh, and he would have been a superstar somewhere else uh, like Baltimore or whatever. Um, so I don't think, I don't think he's overrated because anybody that saw him play knows exactly how good he was. Um, I think it's just, he's kind of like, it's like folklore now where it's like, he's like a legend and people tend to, attach you know their feelings to their description of, of how of how good he was and it kind of makes it sound fake but I don't feel like from what we saw of him in any way that he was overrated because I'd say you know of the you know three and a half seasons that he played you know that that adds up to about maybe 40 games give or take he was probably the best player on the field in like 30 of those games he was legitimately the best player on the football field um most of the guy, most of the time he played in the league. And that is an, I don't think that's an exaggeration. He was fantastic when he was there. It's just such a small sample size that um, not everybody, not everybody buys into the hype anymore. Cause it's been, we're so far removed from it, but I don't think he was overrated at all. Yeah. I, I think he was such a phenomenal football player and I, you know, longevity is not a thing. It's kind of like with, with hip hop music and people say who the best rappers, Biggie and Tupac, even though they had one or two albums, out while they were alive it's the same principle here for me scarface the, the quality of play was so high that he didn't need to play 30 seasons to know that he was fantastic and then the other thing i'll add to what you said is he changed the defense because his presence in the secondary completely changed what offensive skill players were willing to do oh he was I, in to's head so bad yeah for, he freddie mitchell terrified of him yeah Todd Pinkerton, what's his name? Uh, the, Todd Pinkston, yeah. Yeah, like that doesn't happen every right. day. Like that, that's special. And you can't overrate that, you know? So if somebody's like, oh, well, you know, there's, you know, Ed Reed and Troy Pollard, okay, fine. But Sean Taylor was a really, really elite safety in this league. So no, he was not overrated. All right, last one um, was Ryan Kerrigan overrated. That's another one that's that's kind of a hot topic because you know people his how do we put this I don't think he personally for me no I don't I don't think he's overrated but I never really rated him as like a top notch I don't, and some of the people that I saw in that comment section were kind of like making it sound like people com considered him to be like a top five defensive player in the league or a top five edge rusher in the league and I don't know that anybody really ever did but what he was and what he is, is a very consistent, very reliable player. He's, you know what you're going to get out of him. He, you know, he's since 2011, I think he's third in sacks in that time frame, um, behind just prolific sack guys like JJ Watt and, uh, Von Miller. The difference is that 
Ryan Kerrigan was there every single game, whereas those guys missed a lot of games. Like J.J. Watt, you know, missed, and especially the last couple of years, just missed a ton of games. Uh, Von Miller missed a ton of games because those guys get injured. Ryan Kerrigan never got injured. He started, you know, nine and a half, I think week 13 of his ninth season was like the first game he ever missed. And there were seasons in the middle there where he didn't miss a snap. Like he was on the field every defensive snap for a couple of years. So, and, and the other thing was like, you know, he only had his most he ever had in a season was 13 sacks. I'm like, how many guys get 13 sacks in a season, let alone four times, you know? So, you know, he was a very good player. He is a very good player. He's very consistent. I don't know that he's elite. I don't think he's a hall of fame player. I definitely think he's a Washington ring of fame player, Like he should definitely be there because he's been, um, he is the all-time leader in sacks, but that's a technicality. And the reason is that like Dexter Manley's first year in the league, sacks weren't an official stat. And he had like seven or eight that season that would have been sacks. So he's technically still a leader, even though, uh, so he, he gets an asterisk for that number in my book. Um, but um, I don't, as a Washington fan, have never, as a Homer Washington fan, have never considered Ryan Kerrigan to be one of the elite players in the NFL. I just think he's been a really good player. And if I had that pick over again at 16 that year, I would take Ryan Kerrigan again because I don't know of anybody behind him that you know has outperformed him to this day from the level of consistency. Now, would I have traded back from 10 and passed over J.J. Watt? Probably not, but they did. And if they're if I was again sitting there at 16, then yeah, I mean I I would do Ryan Kerrigan all over again, and I don't I wouldn't feel bad about it. So I I personally don't think he's overrated. I just think the people that I think some folks maybe rated him themselves and then said he was overrated based on what they thought people thought of him rather than actually what people thought of him. That makes any sense. So no, I don't think he's overrated. You know what he reminds me of is another Washington football team player where, like you said, he's, he was a very, very solid player. And mind you guys, at a time where we went through a lot of years without any pass rush <laughs> right. in Washington. It's not his fault. He was the best pass rusher on the team. Yeah. It, you know, and remember the Arakpo thing where Arakpo was just the king of getting held, but he never got to the quarterback. Oh, by the, then finally we get Kerrigan, who actually does get to the quarterback, even if he's benefiting from what others are doing on the field. He didn't create a lot of sacks on his own. I think that's why people get a little bit upset with him, right? Like mm -hmm. he, he gets help from, you know, he gets a lot of coverage sacks and things like that. But who he reminds me of in, in the sense of the way that we perceive him is Chris Cooley. Chris Cooley was never, in my opinion, the best tight end in the league. He was never Jimmy Graham. No. Never Tony Gonzalez. He was never any of those guys in that class. But he was great for us, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we weren't really a winning football team. And somebody had said this, um, you know, if you put Ryan Kerrigan on a better team, you know, he's probably an all-road player. No, maybe, maybe not because no, you put him on a better team. He's what he was last year because he was on a better team last year and he was a backup. Yeah. Yeah. And now see, I don't think he'd be a backup though. I just think, uh, well, I guess it could be, it depends on where you go. If you're going to put him on a, I mean, if you, what they're saying is if you put him on, if you surround him with better players, I mean, when uh, that's exactly what Washington did and it turned him into a backup. Yeah. Yeah. True. But you know, so it's like, you know, we all, we all love Cooley. Um, is Cooley a Hall of Famer? No, he's not no. a Hall of Famer, but he was a good player for us. And, and again, he's a ring of famer. He's definitely like he's a Washington icon and he and it's well deserved. And, and I think that is a pretty accurate description because they both made a couple of Pro Bowls. Like, again, when they made their Pro Bowls, they weren't considered the best in the league, but they were they had good, strong, solid years. Um, and, you know, they were never really prolific uh, but they were both very solid players. And I think both provided more value to this team than they probably would to other teams in the league.
Right. So they mean more to us. So in that respect, maybe we do overrate them a little bit, but I mean, but there's like I, said, nothing... I would do, I would do Ryan Kerrigan pick all over again. If I was sitting there at 16 in that draft, I agree. And there's nothing wrong with rooting for your guys. Like, let's right. be clear about that. Like you're supposed to like your players better than like, you know, if you have kids in sports, you know, you're like, Hey, my kid is the best kid in the world, even though, you know, you're playing soccer and there's a baby Ronaldo on the other team. You're like, yeah. you know, I'm taking my kid 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Um, so it just, that's just the way it goes. Everybody's allowed to be a fan in their own way, but I do like the conversation. So as always keep the conversation going. Uh, Eric, anything you want to say to the people before we roll? I got a hot take. I just, I just dropped this on the Twitter. Uh, Air Jordan fours are better than Air Jordan 11s. That's my hot take. So you put that on Twitter, see what they think. I'll defend that argument. And I, I love 11s, but uh, the fours are better. You know, can I tell you a secret? I've never been, I've, I've owned a couple pairs of Jordans. I just don't like the way that they look on me. I don't know. I've never why. owned a pair of Jordans. I'm, I've been poor my whole life. I've never <laughs> owned a pair of Jordans. Actually, uh, I, I owned a pair of, and I, this is funny, they have a little bit of a, a following. I owned a pair of Pony City Wings when I was like in fifth grade, and they were basically like Jordan knockoffs. But like they have this like crazy following online now, which is kind of funny because they just look like Jordan knockoffs, but people really like them. And I showed them to my kids and my kids even were like, man, those are kind of fire. So, uh, <laughs> Pony City Wings. Pony City Wings. I got to look, look them up. up. When I was when I was young, I had the British Knights. Those were cool. Case. Yeah, they had that uh, Cool Mo D commercial. Yep. I don't know if you remember the Cool Mo D rap, but like, I'm not gonna rap, but yeah, yeah. Some other somebody else was. They had another commercial for like white people too. But it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like they had a Cool Mo D one, and they had like a Diddy get someone or something. I don't, know. I don't remember who the other one was. Maybe it was Phil Collins. I don't know. It was some weird like random, but I'll look that up. Entire British Knight commercial. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> That is hilarious. All right. Um, anyway, yeah. So keep keep interacting with us on Twitter. Go follow Eric. Uh, you can find his Twitter handle linked to our link tree. If you come across that online, uh, he is listed there. Um, that's it. I think, you know, Benjamin St. Juice, we're all hopeful. Um, you know, we all we go over these picks, but we want them to perform at their best because that makes the team better, you know? So even if we have a little bit of criticism or, or just – you know, every every pick has a little bit of negative to them. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't want them to succeed because we do. So, absolutely, go right. St. Juice. You're my new favorite player. That's right, St. Juice. <laughs> All right, Eric, man. I'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you then.